there's going to come a time when every knee is going to bow. That even means the demons. That even means Lucifer himself is going to have to bow at Jesus. His name is great. It is my pleasure this morning to introduce to you, of course, most of you know him, so I really don't have to introduce him, but I'm going to. But I tell you what, I, I love Darren with all my heart. We go way back. We probably haven't talked much over the last few years, but I tell you what, every time, every time we reconnect, our spirits collide together and they mesh well. So we, below, we both believe in the same God, the same Holy Ghost, the same Redeemer, the same God that gave us our salvation, our sanctification, the gift of the Holy Ghost. We believe in all that together, and I'm just so thankful that him and his wife have come today, and I believe she's going to bless us with a song, aren't you? She's going to, no, nah, she ain't going to try. I've heard her sing. She, I've heard her on, 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 uh, on uh, the internet singing. She could do a great job. But uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to turn this over to them and, and uh, let them have their way in the Lord.
Amen. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Let's just praise the Lord. Come on, the Lord's in the house. Let's just praise the Lord. Say thank you that he's here this morning, church. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we thank you, God, for all that you are, for all that you are doing in this house. God, for your presence. For in thy presence there is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God, I thank you for the Spirit of God that is in this house, for the Holy Ghost, God, that has come to fellowship with us. For we are here to fellowship with you. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name. Amen. You can be seated if you would like. It is so good to see everybody. I've been here before, but you finally threw that bum out and got a pastor. (laughs) Got nobody on the drums. Sorry. Uh, no, Josh is one of my very best friends, and uh, I'm I'm really glad that, that Brother Dane is here, though. Do you love your pastor? He's a good man. <laughs> Dane's a very good man, and if you don't believe him, he will arrest you, because he can. You know, But it is good to see everybody again, and glad you're here. And uh, wonderful presence of the Lord this morning, isn't it? God's in this place, and he's going to speak to us today. I want to tell you something before I get going that's not in my message that is very important. What you have here with the way that the Lord is moving does not happen everywhere. So don't ever take it for granted when the presence of God is in the house. Get what you can get. Amen. Because there are dry seasons. Amen. Go ahead. There are dry seasons. There are times where churches look around and they wonder where God went. And sometimes God's doing deeper works during those times, and and we don't see as much of the manifestations. But uh, never take for granted when God is moving in the house. man. So, uh, Brother Dane, thank you for all your kind words, checks in the mail. Um, I do appreciate it. I'm I'm glad that you're back in the ministry. I know that there was a time there where you took a break for a while, but but I'm glad to see that you're you're back in the ministry and here. So I love you all, and it's... uh, it's good to be with everybody. Brother Kenny, good to see you, brother. Well, I want to honor the man of God who's one of our spiritual fathers of the area, so thank you. Amen. And my mother, who's one of the spiritual mothers of the area, so thank you. Good to see her. My dad's preaching at his own church. He's so selfish he wouldn't come today. So, But go ahead and throw up the, the uh, message, if you would, Brother Dane. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 6 through 10. Did anybody get the message this morning if you're a note taker to bring your notebooks or whatever you write on? Um, so I'm a, I'm preach and teach to you this morning. We'll let the Lord see how it comes out. But if I get excited, I'll preach. If not, I'll teach. How about that? But I've got some stuff I want to share with you today that is very much become a part of my heart over the last little bit. How many of you want to grow in Jesus? Amen. You want to be farther down the road next year than you are right now? Man, it's very important for us as ministers of the gospel to tell you that it's not all about one particular area. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, I think that's one of the places that we've missed it in times past. We kind of find our comfortable spot and the thing that we like about church and we live there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that's dangerous? 
it can literally be dangerous if we find our comfortable spot. So let's read second or excuse me, Colossians chapter two, verses six through ten. If you're ready to read, say amen. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Listen to this. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let us pray. Father, we love you this morning. And we thank you, God, that you are here. And I ask now your blessing upon this word, God. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be in this house for us not only to hear but for me to speak. I pray, God, that your spirit would manifest in this place in power and depth in our hearts. God, let us leave here today saying God has been in the house and I've got something I can take with me. We bless you for all that you are and for all that you're doing. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For anybody that knows me, and a lot of you do, for the longest time, um, my heart has been revival. But over the last couple of years, maybe three or four, God has begun to expand what that really means. What does revival truly mean? Does it? And we all know it's more than just a few services in a row. But what does an atmosphere of revival really look like? Because it's one thing to have a week or two where, where we experience God in a tremendous way, but it's another thing where revival is changing your life. Amen? I've seen people, and you've seen people that have been blessed, but they weren't changed. Amen? I don't want to just be blessed and not be changed. Otherwise, I'm going to be right back where I was in just a few months. Amen? Our churches today are living on very little real bread. Too many times we, we're, we're simply speaking things to get people excited but not motivated. And excitement wears off the first time you run into something difficult. Amen. But God wants us to grow in Him, and He wants us to be, go back to verse 7, and there's a word there that says established. He wants us to be established in Him. I don't know if I preached it already, but I've got a thought that I've had for quite some time, which is this. What is your price? What would it take for the enemy to get you away from God? Do you have a price? Because a lot of people this morning, they have a price. They're sitting on the pew. They're happy. They're ready to do whatever they can do. But when the storms come, they're going to find out whether or not they're really saved. And whether or not they're really going to stay saved. Man, what is your price? And I don't mean to be insensitive about any of these things, but for, for some people, their price is simply being offended. That's a cheap thrill for the enemy. It's a cheap price for the enemy because getting offended is not hard. Man, how many of you know that? We live in a world today where people are offended about everything. My wife and I have a running joke now when we get... when, when we. See something we don't like, we're so, I'm going to go tear down a statue. Yeah. It seems like everybody's offended about everything. doesn't matter what it is. 
And so we, our culture has a way of bleeding into the church. And so whenever we look around, we've got to see, am I different from everything around me? How many of you know we're supposed to be called out in different people? Amen. The Bible says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which, what? No man shall see the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, there's some things that we've left behind that we need to go back and pick up. Amen. If I wasn't sure I was going to be able to make it today, and if I had not been here this morning and I was in Kansas preaching at my church, I was going to preach on sanctification. How long has it been since we heard a sermon on sanctification? What does it mean to be sanctified? Is it possible, I want to ask you some questions this morning. Is it possible that our worship is not true? Is it possible? Before we get through the sermon this morning, we're going to answer some of these questions. But I want you to, uh, can you go ahead and click over, brother? I always do a theme with my sermons nowadays. A spiritual balance is development that is anchored in biblical truth, despite discipleship, and experiential knowledge through the Spirit. So in other words, I'm experiencing God, but then I'm going back to the Bible to find out what just happened. I think that's a pretty good idea. Because if we're not careful, we'll live on things we can't explain. Amen? It's real easy to speak in tongues, but how many of you could give your neighbor a discourse on what it's about? How many of you can find a scripture to tell them what happened in the Bible? Why are tongues important? What is falling out all about? Can we tell anybody? We know that it's when we're overcome by the Spirit, but where's it at in the Bible? Amen. Why do we re rejoice? Why do we dance? Why do we shout? Why do we get excited? Why do we say amen? These are things that we need to really deeply consider. Because, you know, th there's one thing that, that I think is very important the church needs to understand. We need to forsake style for substance. Amen. We know how to worship. We know how to pray. Well, we, we think we do. We, we know how to worship. We know how to praise. We know how to, and, and, and this is no reflection on this morning, by the way. But in, in average cases, we, we know how to go through the motions. But is there anything to it? When we leave, are our hearts elevated, are our hearts lifted up by God? Or have we made a connection with God? And one of the dangers that we're in right now is we're in a place where so much of the church has leaned so heavily towards education that we've lost the move of the Spirit in a lot of places. Now, in saying that, let me turn around and say it the other way. We still need to know what we're talking about. But we also don't need to get so far on the education side that we forget what it's like to cry our eyes out in the closet somewhere. Amen? So what is the answer then? We can't forsake one for the other, so what do we need? Balance. Plant your feet on balance. Because you see, for, for years there was a move when everything was, let's revamp the worship. A lot of you went through that. In this area, I was here when it, when it was taking place. Let's revamp the worship. All of a sudden, churches that didn't even believe in music, they're pulling in teams like this to do worship, to draw the crowds because all the attention went to worship. But somewhere along the way, we forgot what we were praising about. Well, I like the music. But why do we praise? Why do we worship God? Amen. What is worship? 
Church, worship is gratitude that I'm not still in bondage. Worship is gratitude that my name is written on the Lamb's book of life, and if the trumpet of God sounds, I'm ready to go home. Amen. Worship is not just the good times. Worship is that in the valley He restores my soul. Worship is when I can't get up and don't have any strength left, God comes. Amen. When I can't get to where He's at, He'll get to where I am. Amen. That's worship. Some of the greatest moments in worship in the Bible were not even in church. The Bible says that Job had a messenger that came and said, you've lost everything. Then somebody else came and said, now you've lost your children. Well, now you've lost your wealth. And he was down to nothing. But the Bible says that he shaved his head, he ripped his garment, and he sat down in sackcloth in ashes, and he what? He worshipped God. Do we have something? You remember in the book of Acts where the, where the man that was lame, Peter and John were on their way to the temple? He said, silver and gold have I none. But what did he say? Such as I have. I've been saying this for quite some time. Is it possible that it's not so much that God's not moving anymore, but we don't have anymore? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. You see, the thing was, they were on their way to prayer meeting, but they had already been with God. Amen? They had a time set aside. They were on their way to the hour of prayer, if you read the Scripture. And what it says is they, they bent over and said, Silver and gold have I none, but I've got something else that you need. In the name of Jesus... See, when we pray in the name of Jesus, there needs to be something backing that up. Amen? We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost that leaps out of us that we have something. Amen? Such as I have. You see, we've come to a place, church, just let me preach for a minute. This ain't even in my notes, but just let me preach for a minute. We've come to a place now where we counsel things we used to cast out. Amen? Amen? We've come to a place now where we need three points and seven points to do this and five points to do that. Listen, it's simple. Get alone and with God in a closet somewhere and don't come out till it's different. Amen. But we need to have something. God wants you to have Him, but He wants you to have all of Him. Some a couple years ago, I was listening to Brian Cutshaw preach. He was preaching at the camp meeting in Michigan. And he said he, he had basically what, what I would term as an argument with God. He said that God had some things that happened that he didn't think you know were going to happen. They went the wrong way in his mind. And he said he was out in the woods by himself talking to God. And uh, he, he said that he was expressing all of his uh, disenchantment with the things that had taken place and how he was disappointed. And he said he finally got done with his bit. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, okay, now that you're done, it's my turn. I've got a few things I want to talk to you about too. And he told him this, and this was amazing to think about the way that God would speak to somebody, but he said, I am tired of you climbing up into bed with me wanting intimacy but never wanting to produce any children. Is it possible that we've learned to celebrate and we've forgotten all about bearing fruit? Do you want to go deeper with God? Going deeper with God's more than kicking your shoes off and learning how to shout. And we need that too. But there's more to it than that. The deepest places of your life that you're going to look back on in years to come is not when you were shouting and dancing so much. It's when the Lord reached down 
when you were at your last breath and He breathed on you again. It's in the moments where you look back and everything was impossible. But God. Amen. Amen. It's when your, your wife's bleeding on the table and they tell you that if you had not been here, you would have lost your wife and you would have lost your baby. Those are the moments because that's my story. Amen. But God. Amen. If you've never been to a place where all you have left to hold on to is God's Word, then you're going to get there at some point. But can I tell you that the thing that He spoke will not come back void, but it will accomplish that which He has spoken? Because heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. If God's made a promise, you can bank on it because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hallelujah. And God wants the people of God to have more than just a Sunday experience, more than just the excitement. But when you're in the closet with God, the reality of God begins to take shape. And you know, as Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you can shout and rejoice when you're down to nothing, if you can shout and rejoice when all the things that you thought were going to happen fall down around you and it all crumbles in your face. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I tell you that circumstances do not change God. It doesn't matter what you go through. He's still God. And God wants us to get to the place where it doesn't matter what happens, who comes or who goes. If you're the only one left, lift up your head and rejoice because your name is on the Lamb's book of life and you're ready to meet God. Church, He is God no matter what. Hallelujah. Can you move on, brother? So what glorifies God? You know, this this is a sermon in itself. I'm going to try to get off this slide. We'll see what happens. But this is a sermon in itself right now that's really burning within me. What glorifies God? Is it possible that with all of the big names up in lights and all of the political clout we've forgotten somewhere along the way to glorify God? Is it possible that because this one and that one wants the glory, maybe we don't even realize it anymore, but we're looking for the clout and the success and the glory that we've forgotten what glorifies God? How can it be, they said, Jesus, you should have been here four days ago when Lazarus was still alive. You should have been here when he was sick and healed him. But it was not for that purpose. Healing can glorify God. But resurrection, baby, that's front page news. Amen? So what glorifies God? First of all, look at John 15 and 8. Here it is, my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. We've got to be careful, church, that we don't get more concerned about what other people think about us and our relationship with God than bearing fruit. It's why a lot of... Oh, man, I'm, I'm in a meddling mood this morning. 
It's why a lot of pastors leave their churches in the middle of the transition when they're getting ready to bear fruit, but they don't want to deal with the stress, and they just walk away because it's easier to take a promotion than to stay there and bear fruit. Been there. My first church I took, we had nothing but conflict for five years. Year one, towards the latter part of the first year or so, or maybe a little bit after, we had a major blow up. I hadn't even been there a year and a half quite yet. The overseer says, do you want to leave? I said, brother, I'll put it to you this way. First of all, no, I don't want to move my family. But God didn't, these people didn't send me here, and these people ain't going to run me off. If there's more of them than there are of me, then that's a different story, and I can't do much about that. But I'm going to stay here as long as God tells me to stay here. If you'll help me, he said, all right, I'll help you. Call me back when you get in more trouble. But I want to tell you, I have learned over the years not to worry. Hear me, Pastor, don't worry about the numbers. Because God's not concerned if you had 15 or 50. God's concerned if you're bearing fruit. Are the people of God growing? Are the people of God growing? Are people getting baptized? In, oh, my Lord. Are people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost? Is anybody getting sanctified? Is anybody getting saved at the altar? Is anybody getting delivered from emotional bondage or, or the things of life? Is anybody getting some chains dropped off of them? Come on. Because there is still power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you see, I'd rather have a small, healthy church than a large circus. And believe me, they're out there. We've got churches this morning where there's 500 people, but if the preacher preaches on sin or the Holy Ghost, we're in trouble either way. Amen? My Lord, I've come to the place where I've, I'm just taking Jesus for what he said. If they won't listen, kick the dust off your feet and move on. Stop trying to chase people that don't want to go to church. We spend more time chasing people that don't want to go to church, and we've got somebody over here who's gifted, talented, but they've never said a word because we're busy chasing people that just want to fight. We need to do what God's called us to do, bear fruit. People get mad and run off, and then they wonder why you don't talk to them anymore. Well, you ran off. You wouldn't listen to what I had to say to begin with. Why you want to fight now? Are we bearing fruit? And you see, you know why it's important to bear fruit? Because the first time your pastor tells you something you really don't want to hear, and that, you know, that neck starts to do this, you know, and that tingle goes down your back that tells you you're upset, can I tell you, church, you need to be thankful for somebody that will speak the truth to you and somebody that will correct you and say you're wrong and you need to understand what the Bible says and here's how things are supposed to work in the Spirit. Be thankful. It got quiet all of a sudden. Be thankful for that. The Bible says that they watch for your soul. Are you bearing fruit? You see, there are a lot of people they have trouble with obedience. And they're going to stand before God someday. 
And God's going to say, why didn't you live a life of obedience? Well, God, you never told me. I sent five pastors to tell you. But you wouldn't listen to them either. Man, are we bearing fruit? Do we have an understanding of what the pastoral role is? Do you know what your pastor is supposed to be doing? I'm not talking about your list of expectations where he needs to show up and do what you want him to do all the time. That's not what I'm getting at. Do you understand what the Bible says about what a pastor is supposed to do and what a pastor is supposed to be? And you know what? You're going to find some things that he's not doing. Stick with me. I'm going to get there. Because I don't know one single pastor who embodies every single perfect quality that Scripture talks about. So then what do you do with that? You pray for him in the areas where he's not there. Go ahead. Amen. You pray for him in the areas where he's not there. And you know what? It'll start getting better. Because God will come to him in prayer and, Hey, listen, pastor. Man, are we bearing fruit? Is What has God done? And you see, this is what glorifies God. I'm not impressed with Christians that know how to dance and shout. I'm not impressed with Christians who know how to operate in gifts. I had a woman in my church in Traverse City. Every time she spoke in tongues, I wanted to throw a hymn book at her. Because she wasn't doing it to give us a message from God. She was doing it because she wanted to be heard. I'm not impressed with gifts. But I'm highly blessed when I see fruit. Amen. Because the power of a change... Listen to me this morning. If you don't get anything else, I say get this. The power of a changed life to someone who knew you back when, but they see you now, that is real, tangible evidence of the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. It is real, powerful, tangible evidence that Jesus is exactly who he said that he was and he still is today. And that's what's going to change people. For years, they have watched us shout and walk outside and cuss people out. But if they'll see you shout and see you love on the outside, that will change a life. Fruit is the greatest evangelistic tool you will ever have. Don't worry about the programs. They'll come on their own, and God will help you with that stuff. But fruit is what is going to matter. My Lord, have you seen Brother Tom lately? Tom's a whole different man. I used to party with him. I used to drink with him. But something has happened now. He don't want nothing to do with all that stuff. There's something different going on in his life. And I want what he's got because that's what I need. Can I tell you that the love of Jesus will preach its own gospel in your life? If you start loving people and treating people how they're supposed to be treated, that is the message of Jesus. And church, in this lost and dying world, when people are so confused they don't even know what bathroom to use anymore, we need somebody that's genuinely loving people and teaching them about Jesus. Look at 5.16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. Good works alone are not enough. 
You can build an orphanage. You can feed the hungry. But good works alone are not enough. But the the process of bearing fruit that produces good works, that'll change lives. See, every ministry in your life and in your church is birthed because somebody found, now hear me out here and understand my context. Somebody found something that makes them weep. That's how ministry's birthed. I heard it somewhere recently, I don't know where, but souls are dying, men are crying. Who's going to lead them to the cross? It's the only message that matters. I don't care if you vote red, blue, or pink, or yellow, or green. Politics is not going to fix this mess. You can take away every gun in America, but you're not going to take the evil out of the hearts of men. What do we need? Everybody's screaming right now. What do we need? What do we need? We need a holy church led by holy men of God with a fire in their belly and a word in their mouth that are not afraid to stand up and speak the truth. That people are bound. People are lost. They're not unchurched. They're on their way to hell. They're not unchurched. They're sinners. They're not unchurched. They're lost. Listen to me. Church alone will not get it. We've tried church and it has failed. What we need is a move of God that is sustained by the people of God bearing fruit in their lives and seeing a change to the community because if the church will bear fruit, listen, let me tell you something about fruit. A fruit comes from a seed but a fruit bears a seed inside of it. The Bible says that the seed is the word of God in in Matthew chapter 13 in the parable of the sower. So the, the seed, when you cut open an apple, what do you find on the inside? Seeds. Amen. So what is the purpose there? God saved you, but he also put a word in your mouth. Well, I'm not a preacher. Oh, no, you're, you may not be. But they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb. And what? And the word of their testimony. So you may not be a preacher, but you've got a story. You may not be the pastor, but you've got a word. Amen? So the seed, the fruit, comes from a seed. In other words, we are born again by the word of God, which is incorruptible. Right? But then God places within us his word, another seed. So the fruit that I bear has another seed in it. Can I tell you something about fruit trees? The seed for the next year's harvest is already in the tree. So the same word that brought you to where you are can produce fruit again and can produce another word to take you on to the next place that you're going to go. And then when you get there, guess what? That fruit has another word inside of it. And God begins to reveal over and over again from glory to glory until you begin to get stable instead of falling over because this leg is not strong. You begin to get balance. And you say, you know what? If the roof don't come off today, that's all right. But am I going to 
bear fruit when I leave the house. If I don't have a, if I don't have the greatest revelation today, that's okay. I'll just praise God anyway. But you see, if we can get to a place, church, where we have substance instead of style, it's going to change the face of the church. Go ahead to the next slide, if you would, please. So number one, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance there. Faith is the word, is the substance, is the conviction. It means convinced. Faith is the conviction, or I am convinced. I am convinced of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that I cannot see. So I am convinced. Why? Because God said. And that's it. That's it. You don't need any more than that. Is it what God said? Yes. Well, then that's all you need. Look at me for a minute. You know how faith works? You see, I'm convinced that the church, it's not so much that we need more faith. It's that the faith that we have is not in operation. When's the last time you had to believe God for something? I'm not talking about good spots at Walmart to park in. I'm talking about when you've been in a closet somewhere and said, God, if you don't do something, nothing's going to get done. When's the last time you had to believe God for your family because the devil snuck in the back door? I'm not talking about little, little arguments. I'm talking about, God, if you don't do something, this ain't looking too hot. When your kids are lost and your family's dying and your friends have forsaken you, God, if you don't do something. But you see, here's, here's where it's at right here. It's not so much, again, it's not so much that we don't have faith. It's that our faith is not in operation because the Bible tells us that faith worketh by love. Are we loving God? Are we in love with God? Is our love producing fruit that causes us to believe? Hear me. Can I tell you that the majority of your Christian life is not about what happens in here? The majority of your Christian life happens out there. It happens wherever it is in your house that you pray. It happens when your face is in that book and there's no one there but you and God. Leonard Ravenhill once said that the the people that will see revival will know much solitude. You've got to be alone with God. You've got to learn to love to be alone with God. Because when the love of God begins to flow in your heart, guess what? All those things that seemed impossible no longer seem impossible. All of those things that you were struggling with faith, that faith begins to come alive because the love that I have makes the difference. I've used this illustration a few times. Does anybody have a $100 bill in here this morning in your pocket or in your wallet? Anybody? You got one? Can I see it?
Put this in an envelope and write guest on it, please. <laughs> now I'll show you something. This is faith. I ask, he gave. But it's not mine, is it? You know why he gave it to me? Because he knows I'll give it back. You know why? Because I've known Dane for a very long time. He knows my character. Faith is more than, God, here's my list of things I need. Faith is I trust the character of God. That no matter what happens, it's going to work out for my good because I am his and he is mine. And not only am I a child of God, I'm the bride of Christ. Amen? Do we believe what God said? This is faith, church. This is a tangible, simple illustration of how faith works. He trusts my character, therefore he gives to me. I trust the character of God, therefore I give him all that I have. He's already given me all that he has on Calvary. Amen? He gave me Jesus. He, not only did he give me all that he had, he gave me the best that he had. And so I trust the character of God. And listen, it's not so much what I believe, but it's about who I believe. For I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When you run out of places to think about what, what does faith really mean in your mind, and you run out of places to go to, to as a refuge, just remember, listen, it's not about what I'm believing or what I'm believing for. What do you do when you pray and you believe God and people tell you God's going to do this miracle and God's going to do that miracle and it doesn't happen? What do you do then? Because that's the point where most people stumble. Some of them never get back up. What do you do in that moment? You have to go back to this one simple thing. It's not about what I believe, but it's about who I believe. Because he has said he will never leave me and he will never forsake me even to the end of the world. He told me that principalities and powers in death and angels nor life nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He told me that persecution or peril or distress or nakedness or sword shall not be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. If we've got a church that's a passionate for God and in love with God faith will be a secondary thing. We won't even have to think about it. I believe God because I'm in love with God. But I'm in love with God because I've been with God. But I've been with God because I'm in love with God. It becomes a circle, church. And the more you love Him, the more you want to be with Him. The more you are with Him, the more you love Him. And the more that you love Him, the more that faith flows out of your body and faith begins to change your world because fruit begins to come out of it. And then you're able to say, silver and gold have I none but such as I have in the name of Jesus. You see, faith in America has been reduced to, well, I believe in God. Hey, the Bible tells us that even the devils believe and they tremble. So believing is not enough. 
Well, I believe God as long as I'm getting what I want to get. You're going to go. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Because he is, can I just say it this way? He's your daddy. And sometimes we, when we want what we want. Dad thinks it's a better idea to spank us. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And don't think just because the world have, has forsaken their minds and they say, well, you just do whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good. And we've got this lawless culture and lawless society. Don't think that that's how God operates. And we're coming to a place in the church today that if I get offended here, I'll just go to the next place. We've actually been there for quite some time. So then to try to correct people, Man, I'm in a meddling mood today. And then there are people who, (laughs) Pastor, you better not because this is what I'm giving every week. You better not. You think you can make it without me, preacher? Oh, they don't say it that way. I had a guy at my current church. He's no longer there. I had a guy at my current church who let me know right after I got there he was the biggest tither. I said, okay. And about six, seven months later, I remember preaching under a tremendous anointing one Sunday morning, and I got up. Sometimes you wonder after you say things, should I have said that or not? But I remember getting up preaching one Sunday morning hot and heavy. I said, I'm not afraid to lose the biggest tither because this is God's house. Guess what he was? But you know what? The house is still going. And you know what's happening now? Now that the people that pulled the purse strings aren't there anymore? Fruit. Fruit. Because now, they're not the man anymore. Jesus is the man. Amen? I'm not the man. I'm just a shepherd. But Jesus is the man. And now that we got all the bosses pretty much run off, I guess. That's not exactly what happened. They ran off on their own. But now that we got all the people that wanted to be in charge somewhere else, now God's moving, and the fruit of the Spirit's happening. And an entire family recently got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And people are getting changed and saved, sanctified. People and things are moving, and God's doing a work. Because, church, we've got to have faith to bear fruit. I've got to be, it's a statement of faith to get up there and say you're not afraid to lose the biggest tither. But church, we can't operate out of order. You can't expect to have a limp and expect to run the race. You've got to let God be God. Go ahead, brother. I'm going to skip this part. Go on. I pretty much already said it. This is one of the things I really want to land on. What kind of time frame am I on here? Look here. Let's talk about worship for a minute. Due to time, I may have to conclude. I'm not sure. You let me know. Let's talk about worship. Are we bearing fruit in our worship? I'll probably just land the plane here and this will be enough. Look at this. I've preached this. I'm sure Dane's preached this many times. I think every preacher's preached this at one point. God is a spirit, 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I've got to be honest. I've preached this, but I've also wrestled with, as to the really deeper meanings of it. But recently, God spoke to me. And he, tar- he showed me, if you'll just... Now, I'm not doing anything from Scripture. He gave me an understanding. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now, God said, if you'll look at that word instead of in and think from... Stick that in there. Worship him from your spirit. See, sometimes it's just the language and the way that it it confuses us a little bit. But he said, to worship God in spirit is better understood from, but he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Uh, Flip back, if you would, please, just one slide. Look at this. We've got mind, body, and spirit. We are created in the image of God. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. From the Father comes the will of God. From the Son comes the Word of God. But from the Spirit comes the work, okay, of God. So the will, the Word, and the work, right? Now, I want to show you something that's very important here. We need the balance of all of us. So with my body, I go to church, right? With my mind, I understand God as well as I can, as my understanding is, un- is opened. But with my spirit, I worship God. And let me tell you, what's happening a lot of the time, the reason that we're, we need some deeper learning and teaching is because we are often only worshiping God from our intellect. Your mind, and which is your soul, is your mind, it's your intellect, it's your emotions, and your will. So you've got to go through there at some point, right? But if we're not careful, the other thing about our mind is we have memory. And one of the things about guitar, where's my buddy at? Muscle memory. Your mind remembers. And as you do patterns... These patterns become ingrained in your brain in something called muscle memory. It's the same reason you can type on a keyboard without thinking about it. It's muscle memory. Right? We have muscle memory sometimes when it comes to worshiping God. We've programmed ourselves that we know how to do this and we know how to do that. We know where to say amen. We know where to be quiet. We understand how to do X, Y, and Z, but we're only worshiping God from our intellect. And church, that will not get us where we need to go. Because, what did he say? Not because of my opinion, because he said it must be in spirit and in truth. We'll get to truth in a second. But we must be in spirit and in truth. Notice that's a small s. That's not God's spirit. That's our spirit. But what God, see, we're trying to join mind. Go with me for a minute, folks. We're, we're trying to join minds to spirits. Anybody ever get frustrated during worship? We all do. We're human beings. We walk through this life with these, these frustrations and things we don't understand. And sometimes we're trying to understand things that cannot be spoken. 
Somebody look at Romans 8, 26 real quick. Because it's not in my notes. You see, the intellectual, and we need all of these things, but we've got to understand how to put, it's basically like throwing a puzzle on the floor. What goes where? And there is system with God. There is order with God. There is application with God. Man. You know, let me, while you're turning there, let me just tell you this real quick. I loved one of the last things Jim Wade said to me. When I was here a couple weeks ago, I obviously had no idea that it would be this quick, but I had a feeling. But I, So I went out and saw him. My dad and I went out and saw him just to pray with him, and, and I wanted to tell him a couple things. You know, he's been a tremendous impact in my life. So I went out and saw him, and I said, Jim, how you doing? And, you know, when you ask that question, they, they know what you mean, and you know what you mean. And i never forget this. It was simple, but he said, it's going to be what it's going to be. I love that. I love that. You know why? I just preached it a few minutes ago. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What Paul say? For for to, for me to be absent is better, but for me to be with you is more needful. But he come to the place where he found peace. No matter what happens, I am the Lord's and he is mine and nothing can take it away from that. I love that. What's Romans 8.26 say? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know why not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession also for us. With what? And utterings, which cannot be what? Uttered. Some of the deepest moments, just, just bear with me for a minute. Some of the deepest moments in your life are going to be when you're bent over saying, Oh, God. That's not running the house. Are you with me? How many of you want to go deeper? You're laying on your floor, holding on to your face because you're crying. And you're holding on to your gut because you've been crying so much. And all you can say is, Oh, God. But in that moment, the Spirit joins with His Spirit, and we are one. My mind has lost what to say. I don't know if you've ever been there, but my world has been wrecked at times where I did not even know what to say. I did not know how to pray, felt like I could not pray. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I get down and there's nothing there. It's like a blank piece of paper. I don't even know where to begin. God, I'm so crushed, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to feel. I don't feel anything at, at times and other times. I, I feel so much, I don't know what to do with it all. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And then all of a sudden, you simply begin to say, Oh, God. My intellectual worship is gone. You see, one of the misunderstandings and the misconceptions that's out there about worship is it's all in the good times. But David is sitting there fasting before God, praying for a baby that was birthed out of an illegitimate situation with Bathsheba. 
And the baby felt desperately ill. The Bible says that he sat there and they didn't want to tell him that the baby had passed. But David perceived what had taken place. And in that moment, he said, he's gone, isn't he? Yes, king, he's gone. And the Bible says that David got up. Sometimes the first thing you just need to do is get up. Stop sitting in the mully grove. Stop sitting in the valley. Stop sitting in the place where you got hurt. Stop sitting in the place where somebody did you wrong. Get up. Amen. And stand up. And David said, I love what he said. I can't go to, uh, he can't come back to me, but I can go where he is. Amen. We can't bring Brother Jim back, but we can go to where he's at. Amen. And that's my plan. I'm going to go to where he's at. But even this morning, I guarantee, I ain't even heard nothing yet, but I guarantee you God's all over, Hopewell Church of God. Because in this moment, I saw a strength yesterday that that man infused into his church. When you're up, you praise God. When you're down, you praise God. When you're hiding in a cave, you praise God. When you're walking the backside of the wilderness, you praise God. And church, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me tell you why people aren't changed in the average worship service. Because they're trying to rehearse the thing they did last time that got them blessed. Rather than open up in their spirit and saying, God, here is where I'm at. It may not look pretty. It may not be pretty. It may be broken. It may be crushed. I may have unforgiveness. I may have some filthy things. But God, here I am. I worship you. Because we can't get there on yesterday's bread. We can't get there in the flesh. We can't even get there intellectually. But here I am. Go ahead. Truth. If you back up a couple verses from what I just read... This is the woman at the well. Jesus said, notice this statement, you worship, you know not what. Let me put that in modern English. Y'all don't even know what you're doing. That's what he said. He said, you don't even know what you're doing. Is it possible? I know it's possible because I've seen it. And I'm not trying to make fun of people or nothing, but I've seen people stand in church and do this. And I can tell they haven't got a clue what they're doing. They just learned it from the guy that sits next to them. They don't know. Worshiping is in truth is to understand who you are worshiping. And why? Listen to me. <laughs> Man, this meddling thing. If you can't worship and you can't praise God because of where you've been, I have questions about whether or not you're really out of it yet. I have questions about whether or not you're really saved. If you can't rejoice of what God saved you from, you may not be there yet. Amen? 
Because when I think about where I've been, things that my mother does not know, amen? And we're going to keep it that way. But when I think about the sin that I have been in, when I think about where I've been, but not just that, after I got saved, when I think about all the times that the devil has tried, oh man, let me preach there for a minute. Can I tell you a story? I'm going to end with this story, so you come and hush me, okay? But let me tell you something. When we first moved to Harrison, we hadn't been there very long. And we started a 21-day fast in January. And in that fast, I, I began to feel impressed to pray a certain prayer. It wasn't long, it wasn't lengthy. But every night when we'd lay down, I was, I'd reach over and I'd, I'd touch my wife or hold her hand or whatever. And I'd say, let's pray this prayer. And I'd say, God put a covering over this house. Now, it's January in Michigan, okay? God put a covering over this house in the name of Jesus because I felt that evil was trying to make its way in somehow. So we went on about our way. It was a simple little prayer. One day, all of a sudden, we lived in a mobile home and almost every single outlet, electrical outlet, went out on one wall, the whole back wall. And so we called the electrician. Now get this, the electrician is not saved. He comes to my house, he says, I had another appointment I was supposed to go to, but for some reason I felt like I better come here first. Not saved. Missing another appointment to come to my house first. He, he, he starts fiddling with this one particular area, and he says, well, let me, let me look here for a minute. Something's not right, but I can't figure out what it is. So all of a sudden, I said, I'm going to go sit down in the living room. So he says, I found your problem. And he pulls out a wire, electrical wire, and it literally has a flame on the end of it in a mobile home. A mobile home burns up in seven minutes. Right? He pulls it out of the wall, and it's still on fire. He says, I don't know how this place didn't burn down. I do. But that's not the end of the story. Get this. He said, come over here. you got to see this. I had, in Michigan, when you live in a mobile home, you get what's called ice dams on the top of your house. It snows. It gets just a little bit to where it's, it melts, and it freezes. And, and so over time, it becomes this high. But what happens is, in this particular home, it was starting to leak down inside the wall. And since it's so cold, when it leaks down inside the drywall or the outer wall, what happens is it freezes to the outer wall. Okay? This is what was taking place in our house. He said, here's what happened. You have a covering of ice. And every time that this thing tried to spark, it would melt the ice into water, and the water would put out the flame. When I think about every time, that's just one, but when I think about every time that the devil has tried, I've got something to praise God about.
out. I've got something to worship God that is substance, brother, because the devil didn't just want to destroy me. He wanted me dead. But I'm going to tell you, until God is done with you on this earth, you are absolutely invincible. You are immortal. Until God calls your number, you cannot die because it's God's hands to live and to die to put up and to bring down church you have a reason to worship God this morning stand to your feet if you would please come on lift up your hands and worship God how many times has the devil tried hallelujah how many times has he tried Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord. And do you have balance? Sometimes we want God to deliver us from the battle. Sometimes we want God to deliver us from the storm. But he wants us to learn how to fight. And he wants us to learn how to get out of the boat in the midst of the storm. Because they that come to God, Hebrews 11, 6. They that come to God, what? They must believe that he is. And no matter what, he is. If I'm up, he is. If I'm down, he is. Amen. God, my wife said it earlier, God is constant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to that E minor, would you? There's that E minor. Try E minor, please. I might be stepping up here. There is power. In the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is 